Chapter 23 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife by Armin Stein. Translated by E. A. Enlick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23. Once more in Zulsdorf. Three years had passed. To the loss of their child, another sorrow was added. Soon after Lena's death, the wife of Justice Jonas died. She was a good and noble woman, Catherine's dearest friend, and it was to her, Luther hoped, his wife might, after his death, look for comfort and support. Once more, Luther's house was turned into a house of mourning. But in time, the wounds healed. The sharp grief gave place to loving, tender memories. The simple, peaceful life at Zulsdorf had done much to restore the stricken hearts. Small and modest as was their home, yet to the great man it was a paradise, and to Catherine's contented spirit, a kingdom. Her taste for improvements involved her in many a struggle with the elector's dishonest officials, who sought to draw their own profit from every delivery of building material. Yet these annoyances were as nothing compared with the delights of country life. Again, we find her busy in her domain, assisting Gretchen in wreathing the entrance with evergreens and then strewing fresh sand upon the paths. It was a glorious morning in July. Sweet summer scents rose from the fields. The clear air rang with the song of birds and the chirping of insects, and all created things seemed full of the joy of life. They must soon be coming, said Catherine, her eyes scanning the distant road. But hours passed, and it was already afternoon when Catherine, from the garden, heard the sound of approaching wheels. She hastened to the court. A wagon rolled in at the gate, and Luther and his son John alighted. Praise be God, we are here, exclaimed Luther after the first greeting was over. I feel like a mariner who has reached a safe harbor after the dangers and tempests of the sea. I thank the dear Heavenly Father that he has prepared this refuge for me. His mercy is with me evermore. He seemed tired, and his face was pale and worn. After he had refreshed himself with a cup of milk and a piece of bread, he sat down beside his wife, and turning to John and Margaret, said, Go away for a little while, children. I need to rest. He lay down upon a couch, and taking his wife's hand, looked long and earnestly into her face. My dear wife, he said at last, I have much to tell you that will no doubt astonish you. I cannot continue in Wittenberg, and I have bidden farewell to the city where I labored for seven and thirty years. Doctor, cried Catherine in amazement. Luther continued, It was a difficult decision to make, but it must needs be. My heart has grown cold, and I cannot abide in a city where disorder and lawlessness reign supreme, where none heed my voice, and even the theologians no longer stand firm. Among the young people, the profligacy of former times has broken out again, and even honest maidens go about the streets arrayed in an unseemly manner. The priests aid the disorderly doings by favoring secret betrothals. It is my wish, therefore, that you sell our house and all that we possess in Wittenberg. It would be best for us to continue here at Zulsdorf while I am with you, and my salary, which the elector will not withdraw, will assist in keeping the household. After my death, the various elements in Wittenberg will not suffer you to dwell there. It were better, therefore, that the change were made during my lifetime. On my journey hither, I learned many things that made me weary of the town, and I will not return to it unless it be God's will. The day after tomorrow, I wish to go to Merzburg, where our dear Prince George of Anhalt is at present administering the bishopric. He has been found faithful beyond measure, not only attending diligently to the outward duties of his office, but preaching to his people from the pulpit. I will rather eat the bread of poverty hereafter than torture my few remaining days with the sight of the misrule at Wittenberg, and lose the fruits of my toilsome life. They know nothing as yet of my determination, which was formed on the way. I will write to Bugenhagen and to Master Philip. They may make it known to the university. 
While he spoke, Catherine moved closer to her husband. Her eyes brightened as he proceeded. When he paused, she pressed his hand and said, Dearest doctor, you are giving me a great pleasure. I have long wished that we might remain here, where it is so full of God's peace. Yet I fear that they will not suffer you to rest, but will urge you back again into the struggle. Be at ease, dear wife, said Luther. It shall be as God wills. I will write at once. She brought him pen, ink, and paper, and an hour later he entrusted to the coachman who had brought him two letters to be delivered on his return to Wittenberg. Three happy, restful days followed. The quiet restored Luther's spirits. He noted with interest the well-planned improvements made by his wife, tasted and enjoyed the various fruits grown on his own trees, and addressed many a merry jesting speech to his Lord Kate. The affection and trustfulness of his laborers gave him much pleasure. He conversed with them in their own language, and they were greatly rejoiced at the kindliness of the great man, of whom they knew that he was the friend of kings and nobles. After a few days, he felt so refreshed that he was able to set out upon the journey to Bursburg in the carriage sent him by Prince George. On the Ad of August, he accompanied the princely ecclesiastic to Halle, where the latter was to receive the rite of ordination at his hands. He preached in the cathedral to vast crowds of people, and then proceeded to Lipschick, where men were longing to hear the words of truth from his lips. When he returned to Zolsdorf, he found his wife in tears. Again, her forebodings had been verified. Ah, dearest doctor, she cried, our joy is at an end. Here is a letter from the elector. It came yesterday. Luther read the elector's words of dismay and sorrow at his determination. The sovereign gave his solemn promise, if Luther consented to remain at Wittenberg, to use his influence in removing the causes of his complaints, whose justice he admitted. He most urgently entreated him to desist from his purpose, which would have further disastrous consequences, Melanchthon having declared that he would not remain in Wittenberg without his friend Martin. Luther had scarcely finished when a stir was heard without. As he opened the door, Melanchthon and the burgomaster of Wittenberg, Ambrose Reuter, entered. They added their pleadings to those of the elector and were, if possible, even more pressing. Luther could not resist. As God pleases, he said resignedly, with a glance toward his wife, who stood by the window, scarcely able to restrain her tears. It was like a triumphal procession when, on the 16th of August, Luther, with his wife and eldest son, seated in the carriage sent him by the Senate of Wittenberg, entered the Elster Gate. The better elements welcomed the beloved teacher with jubilant delight. Many of the erring ones repented, and those that remained incorrigible were summarily dealt with by the university and the municipal authorities. With inward satisfaction, Luther saw this return to better things, a result to which he gladly sacrificed the coveted rest, as, all his life long, it had been the rule of his thinking and acting to forget himself for the welfare of others. End of chapter 23